You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody and welcome back to circling shadow sports on converge media it's wow that was a pretty good weekend that was a pretty damn good weekend you know we have friday when if you have maybe you lived under a rock you live in seclusion <laughs> in isolation on some island uh but the mariners have clinched their first playoff berth in 21 years the entirety of my existence as a human being per- basically and the rain on saturday clinched the nwsl shield their first shield since 2015 the third in club history so it's been uh been a pretty good weekend uh in case you couldn't tell the seahawks won too by the way so that was nice uh we can finally sort of well i mean they've won two games now but it's a good weekend all in all there were some some downsides to it but i think bell you'd agree with this if we look at the grand scheme of things everything was pretty solid you know, across the seven teams that we cover here. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and just dive right in here on that Seahawks win. So it was quite a bit of an offensive shootout there, but Seattle did come out with the win 48 to 45. I chose in terms of offense, Rashad Penny as my offensive player of the game. Um, He had 17 carries, 151 total yards and two touchdowns. Both of those touchdowns came on third down. Um, and I will say that it was kind of difficult for me to pick this uh, this game just because I was going back and forth between him and DK. DK also had a great game. So do you want to go ahead and dive in on why you chose uh, Geno Smith? Well, I think that you brought up a good point with Rashad Penny here. I mean, you like you said, with, with a shootout like this, 48 points, you could have gone with anyone across the board here. Uh, I went with Gino just because I think that, you know, we had the game against the 49ers that looked pretty rough. Offense mm-hmm. looked pretty stagnant, pretty incompetent. Uh, yeah. Couldn't get anything done. The Falcons game, Gino, does, Gino was all right. I mean, the pick in the fourth quarter wasn't ideal, but it's a tough situation. I thought in this game, you know, looking back at the entirety of the offensive play, looked competent, looked like he was efficient. And, you know, we know he's not going to be able to launch the deep ball like Russell Wilson has, like certain sure. quarterbacks have. But he was able to use his legs. He had a scramble right up the middle for each touchdown, uh, made some smart decisions, was effective. I liked how they were able to get DK Metcalf the ball. I would have agreed with you on Rashad Penny because in this game, he looked like the Rashad Penny we saw at the end of the year last season. And if Seattle can get that uh, consistently, you'd have a really balanced offense. You know, be able to go to the tight ends. You're using Noah Fant, Will Disley, Kobe Parkinson really well. Mm-hmm. They continue to use their three tight ends, which is really interesting to me because they didn't used to do that in Russell Wilson right. times, as we've discussed. Um, Dickey had a great, a great game. We'll talk about the cart incident in a little bit, but <laughs> just looked efficient to me. And the completion stat, I know some people might brush it off, but Gino has a 77.3 completion percentage through his first four games this season. That's the highest percentage uh, with a minimum of 125 attempts by a quarterback in his first four games of a season in NFL history. So like him or not, 
I, you know, I got to admit he's not the future, but at the same time, he's doing generally what you need him to do. Um, so I can't be mad at it. And as several outlets have pointed out, uh, stat wise, he's playing outplaying Russell Wilson. So, yeah. And stat wise, as you mentioned, I think this is the first time that a QB has won a football game when their opponent has scored 45 points. So that was a big deal. Yeah. So that's a pretty big deal because you look at the list of obviously some of the greats that we consider great QBs and Gina's the only one that's done it. So good for him. (laughs) It's funny to think about great. But no, yeah, I, I think, you know, also too, I think we should highlight the offensive line. They did not give up a sack uh, this game. They've been, uh, the we talked about this, I think, in the beginning of the year and even early weeks one and two, but the the offensive tackle positions, two rookies and Charles Cross, mm-hmm. a guy that was a top 10 pick, yes. and Abraham Lucas, a guy I believe was a, a, a third rounder. Guys like that, um, Abe Lucas has played great. I think he's had like one blemish over four weeks, which is not something you'd expect with a rookie tackle, but offensive line looks good for now. You know, that's the only thing we can ask. And obviously that plays into both of our players of the game and Rashad Penny being able to run the rock as he was. And Geno Smith having time in the pocket. He tweeted about it. He's like grilling steaks back there. So offensive line has done their part for the most part recently. Yes. Um, should we feel ready to transition over to defensive players of the game here? All right. So I, um, I'm going to sound like a broken record because this is, I think, the third week that I've picked him. But I went with Tariq and again, um, he was four for one on tackles and assisted tackles and had that pick six touchdown that I think really gave them, and by them, the Seahawks, um, the lead that they needed. So if we take away the offensive points, I feel like that was really the turning point in the game. And that's what won them the game. Cause like we said, it was a shootout. So you take that away from them. We don't know where that leaves our Seahawks for the game. So. That's a good point. I mean, that, that was pretty early into the second half as well. So like you said, kind of come out and continue to build that lead. And uh, I think Cliff Averill said it in a comment uh, under the, for the pick that Woolen had last week against Atlanta, he says they come in bunches and that there's that case right there. I know that, you know, we look at the grand scheme of this game and 45 points is an ideal, you know, you could look at several blown coverages here mm-hmm. uh, for Seattle, but uh, I think this is a positive thing to look at Woolen and what he was able to do here. So I, I like that for the sake of being different. I went with Ochenna Nuosu. Uh, which has, you know, not huge numbers, but three total tackles, a solo uh, tackle, a sack, one tackle for loss, a pass deflection, a QB hit. So kind of smorgasbord of things there on the defensive side of the ball. And just, you know, with this 3-4 defense, again, the coverage has been relatively a big issue. Uh, I mean, again, 45 points. You look at the highlights of this game, and there are several times that Seattle just gets beat flat out. Um, But, you know, so you want – to be able to somewhat generate pass rush. And that's been an issue for Seattle for several years to this point. And to be able to see at least some decent contribution from their free agent signing. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I know he won uh, NFC defensive player of the week for week one. So mm-hmm. hoping to see more of that uh, sort of continue throughout the season, but Woolen, I mean, it'll be really fun to watch him throughout the year. And I'm interested to see once we get guys off of the inactive list, once we go over that in injury news, uh, where he fits, you know, because we've got a couple of veterans who have not been able to suit up yet. So I wonder yeah. if he's earned that playing time. So, 
Sure. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, and as you mentioned, some of our inactives lists, let's move on to our injury news here. So on September 28th, running back Travis Homer was placed on IR, missing at least the next four games. Um, corner Xavier Crawford signed off the practice squad to fill in that spot on the 53-man roster. Um, injury report against the Lions. Questionable were corner Justin Coleman with a calf injury. He did not participate in practice. Joey Blunt actually did was a full participant in practice, but he was still inactive against Detroit. Um, some others on that list of inactives were Miles Adams, Artie Burns, uh, Justin Coleman, Joey Blunt, Phil Haynes, and Derek Young. Injuries against Detroit were linebacker Daryl Johnson left the game with an ankle injury, and he did not return. And not so much injury news, but we did see DK Metcalf get carted off during the game. Um, bathroom break <laughs> was non-injury related he uh he needed to get off the field immediately and so that's why the cart came out <laughs> the clench walk wasn't gonna work he said I, I believe him i believe that fully uh i've never seen that though where uh he had to take the cart because i think the story was that the bathroom was a long way away and oh, so they're okay. like we got a cart for you so he kind of pulled a paul pierce there even though paul pierce denies that oh I, yeah <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I mean, that was, <laughs> I was worried because you see that the headline DK Metcalf carted off in fourth quarter. Like, ah, great. You know, what else can we use? And right. I was like, oh, he's fine. It was just a bad yeah. thing. I always wonder what? about that though, right? Because like in a game, I'm like, what if you, you know, well, DK How answers it the there, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Um, moving on to some injury news in regard to the league. We all saw to a Tagovailoa go down um, and he suffered a head injury against the Bills in the first half. He stumbled multiple times coming off the field, comes back out in the second half and plays the remainder of the game. He was cleared to come back. On the 30th, which was a Thursday night football game, quick return to the field, um, he was carted off with a head, neck and back injuries taken to, he was taken to a local medical center for further evaluation. And he was he was discharged from the hospital and I believe traveled back with the team. Um, but the quarterback's first scans were negative. He blew back, flew back with the team in a neck brace and will get an MRI. The NFLPA is undergoing their own investigation. The NFL's chief medical officer that Tungavalua was checked for concussion symptoms says that Tungavalua was checked for concussion symptoms every day this past week. Um, and then later, of course, it, they were pursuing legal action as it as the NFLPA investigates a decision for QB to play on Thursday night football. I believe there was already an investigation because of his return. So mm -hmm. that didn't make things easy. Um, and on, on October 1st, the neurologist that did clear him to come back would be fired by the NFLPA. And he was an independent doctor that was involved in the decision to clear him. I'm sure he received a lot of heat. I, I mean, what, what's your take here? Should we have even seen him come back after no. halftime of that? Yeah. No, no. Um, just watching the video, uh, I have to admit, I've kind of with how thick the Mariners playoff race has been um, and some others like with the rain as well. I haven't kept up as to as much NFL news as I would like to. Obviously, I've got to manage my three football teams, which I've won two games of the three this week um but the, yeah i mean reading the thing about the buffalo game i was like okay if it's a head thing 
head and neck, we know with like Chris Carson, you don't want to mess with that. Ricardo Lockett. Obviously, those are different injuries than what happened with two. I believe the thing against Buffalo is like whiplash. But just seeing him stumble was bad. I'm like, that shouldn't have happened. And then especially considering that uh, Miami came back to play on a Thursday after the Sunday game Mm -hmm. with that, you know, if it was a Sunday, maybe that's a sell. But, you know, um, I I tend to err on the side of caution regardless. But, yeah, the Thursday game, I mean, Richard Sherman's talked about it with injuries, you know, about not playing Thursdays at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, watching the video of what happened on Thursday was pretty sickening just to see the reaction to that. Glad to see that they put out a statement that he's okay, but yeah. I would just not have him play for a week or two. I mean, the Dolphins seem to have like they've got good talent on that roster. Uh, you know, if if this had all not happened, I'm sure we'd be talking about how good the Dolphins are right now. But this <laughs> yeah. is some pretty scary stuff. Uh, I think it was Emmanuel Acho. Uh, he's pretty former NFL player, been pretty. Yeah. Uh, active as an analyst in his uh, non-playing career has said that we know we know that we don't know a lot about the brain and how it functions it's kind of like the ocean we don't know enough about it really and it's frightening so it's like we don't know how damaged his his brain is right now which is scary to think about so if if you know i know mcdaniels uh defended his decision to play him uh, on Thursday, but I just think, you know, if I'm in that head coaching chair, I'm giving him a week or two off, having him see some specialists or something. Cause this is, I mean, just seeing, I don't know if you've seen the video. If, if not, I would kind of recommend not cause it's pretty disheartening, mm-hmm. yeah. but it, it was scary. So I would err on the side of caution. I just hope he's all right. Cause that's some pretty scary stuff. I know there's that, I don't know if you saw it, the new helmets that they're trying out yeah. get in one of those, I, you know, wrap them in bubble wrap for all I care. Jeez. Right. Yeah. Just don't, don't rush him too early. I think that's where yeah. I felt like I was pointing fingers is come on guys, like just do better. Don't have him out on the field after he just, well, we literally saw him come to his yeah. knees again. If so. it was a Sunday, maybe, but the Thursday stuff, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So there could be a new rule change coming because of that whole situation. The NFL and the NFLPA are expected to agree to a new protocol for bidding any players to return to a game if they can demonstrate instability. And I think we did see that this past Sunday with a couple of teams. Um, some players got hit in the head. They were out for the rest of the game. So um, <laughs> definitely a good change to come. Um, on September 29th, uh, it was announced that despite Hurricane Ian, Sunday night football between the Buccaneers and the Chiefs would take place in Tampa Bay. Um, that was prime time yesterday. So after all the uh, destruction of Hurricane Ian, I mean, no, I guess no major damage was made to the Tampa Bay field. So as for our Seahawks here, we return shift back over to our Hawks uh, in the regular season. They're two and two. They're third in the NFC West. And they're looking ahead. They're playing on October 9th at the New Orleans Saints. And that's a 10 a.m. game. That one will be tough. Anytime you go into the Superdome, you know, I even regardless of what their roster looks like. So hoping uh, they can keep things going and that defense can short stuff off a bit. So 
as we mentioned at the head of the show, and I'm sure anybody in this city that follows the sports world knows what we're going to talk about here. I know we got to be a little patient, but we're going to go into our Seattle Mariners now uh, who played, they continued their long homestand to finish out the regular season, starting with the Texas Rangers here. September 27th versus the Rangers, a brutal five to nothing loss. You know, obviously anytime we get shut out, we're not giving anybody a gold star. You know, uh, it's like when you were in grade school and they'd put your card in like the red and you were in, timeout or stuff. <laughs> uh, September 28th versus the Rangers, though, a 3-1 to one bounce back win. Player of the game, designated hitter A. Eugenio Suarez. So uh, I believe this is the second game that Gino was back. Um, Gino has a 3-for-3 three three night, so a perfect night, one RBI and a walk. Uh, helps drive in one, the one, some of the three runs that the Mariners scored in the top, the bottom of the first inning. Uh, that was the only runs that Seattle would score, and that would highlight our offensive inconsistency. And then September 29th versus the Rangers, a 10 to nine win in 11 innings. Uh, this was a pretty wild game. Um, Seattle would cut their magic number to make the playoffs down to one with this walk-off win as JP Crawford slaps a liner right at uh, third baseman, Josh Young. Um, player of the game, number one, Mitch Hanniger. Hanniger, two hits, two runs, four RBIs, a multi-homer game for Mitch there. Uh, his homer to deep center field at, I believe it was 442 feet, is the longest homer at T-Mobile Park this season. And then number two, Jared Kelnick, the two outfielders, both with multi-homer games, Jared going two for uh, two hits, three runs, three RBIs. It's his second career multi-homer game. And uh, this was a pretty wild one. I mean... Just going over everything with this one. I believe you were on site for this. Um, no, if I, yeah, no, sorry. Um, nope. I, I, they cut it down to one and I'm like, oh shoot. You know, this sets up the Friday um, potential clinch date. Uh, it would have been Thursday if you had swept the Rangers, but with that 27th loss, uh, the closest they would have to do is Friday. And to set the stage for you, you know, September 30th uh, was Fan Appreciation Day. It's a Friday. They're wearing the Northwest green, sold out crowd. I mean, I can't say enough about it, right? And so we go over to the athletic series, September 30th versus the Oakland Athletics, a two to one win. The win would clinch the Mariners' first postseason berth in 21 years. Um, Player of the game, there can't be anybody but Cal Raleigh. <laughs> Raleigh comes in to pinch hit in the bottom of the night. It's like, I don't know if you ever did this, but when you're a child, you know, you sit there in the backyard or whatever yard you got, or you're at the field at the park, and you come up with these scenarios. It's bottom of the ninth, uh, oh, two yeah. outs, full count. Same exact thing for Raleigh. Full count, bottom of the ninth, two outs. I'm thinking, all right, if Cal doesn't do anything here, we're going into extra innings, that's okay. It's a walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth off of the hit it here cafe up off the glass. Uh, so left no doubt about it. Sending Seattle to its first postseason uh, in 21 years. Just an incredible night. I mean, I don't know if it's still as apparent, but I, you might get a little bit of it, but I lost my voice really, really poorly uh, <laughs> due to Friday. Had some champagne. Uh, it was yeah, it was a mess. I had to clean that up. Uh, but I just can't say enough about it. You know, I know we got two games to go over against Oakland there, but there's the headline. You know, we looked at this a few weeks ago when the uh, postseason odds were at 99.9 percent. I was feeling good. I have the screen capture where I'm sitting there smiling at you about it, and it's 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 finally happened. So 
uh, you know, this was just the goal for the longest time was to get this out of the way. It's like the boogeyman, you know, you get him out mm -hmm. of the way and now you can achieve things. I know Mitch Hanniger said it best, you know, this was one goal, not the goal. Obviously the goal is to win the world series. Uh, that's dependent on your offensive consistency in my opinion, but just to get it done is amazing. You know, just to, uh, have people, you know, on the concourse, just embrace each other. You know, there was a guy running around shirtless, uh, <laughs> just so much emotion, you know, and just relief that it finally happened, you know, and that was the thing about this ride was obviously last year was a lot of fun, but you're playing with like a ragtag team. You weren't quite there with your roster, no Julio, no Gino, no Luis Castillo. And now this year you look at those guys, you've got that talent, you've got that roster and they clinched it technically. And Julio is still on the IL supposed to come mm -hmm. back today, by the way. Um, just, I don't know. I think, you know, I want to do a piece uh, with some of our Converge Media family and Circling Seattle Sports family on what ending the drought means. I know, talk about the big O, big O, big Mariners fan, you know, talked about working at the ballpark, you know, before, yeah. you know, a lot of this success with Converge selling peanuts, you know. So um, I'm, I want to get that done, get that worked on, but just pretty special, pretty damn special. Still the opportunity that the Mariners can host some playoff games here at T-Mobile Park in the wildcard round. But, you know, we've, uh, with that, I think that's a good segue actually to the rest of the series and why mm -hmm. that's getting closer. But Bell was there, press box and locker room for this celebration. So I, I got to hand it off to you. I got to hear what this was like, what this, and on the field when they were on the field, whether it was Scott's voice crack uh, opening with calling. I think he just, when he came back out on the field, he just simply said, big dumper. That's all he said in the beginning. Uh, just take us through what you saw and uh, the emotions of probably one of the best nights of my life. I mean, just even starting with the beginning of the night and being in the press box, it sounded, it sounded a lot more electric. You could hear every clap. You could hear everyone in the audience participating in everything. And it was, it was just awesome. Um, Cal came to bat and, you know, there was some, I was nervous and I was anxious, but I was also kind of relaxed because I knew that Cal has lived up to some big, big moments here. Um, and I, I really did feel like he could do it. And so when Kate and I, Kate from Lookout Landing, we, we rejoiced in the moment together. She, uh, she had asked, um, Kelly from the press box actually before the game, if, uh, we knew we knew cheering wasn't allowed in the press box, but she asked <laughs> if um, if we could cry if that was okay. So um, tears definitely. Um, I remember just like watching the ball, as you said, just go way far, and um, all I could do was just hold on to her arm like this is the moment it's happening and then we both just started tearing up. So I can only imagine what it was for you. Um, Oh, I mean, been, I've got it here somewhere. We can figure here. this out. <laughs> you give me some time. I can pull the video up. I'll work oh, on that goodness. right now. All right. Yeah. So it was, it was a big moment. Um, I was completely unprepared. I will be honest. Kate and I went downstairs. We knew that we were about to possibly get some interviews from these guys who were celebrating, but we waited there for a couple minutes and they were in the clubhouse and all you hear is pop, 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 pop and cheering because they were spraying champagne on each other. And it was, it was chaotic, but in a good way, it was nice to see them celebrating this big moment. 
nobody was free of champagne. If you were dry in the clubhouse, somebody was for sure going to come make sure to get you sprayed. So yeah, it was, it was exciting and it was exciting to see them all just celebrate this with each other. So yeah, definitely enjoyed the moment. It was funny to see. I, 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 it's not an MP4 file, so I can't show it. Um, yeah. But it, it's on social media, so I'll, I'll make sure to reshare it. But just, and it's, and I'm glad I brought a really old camcorder to record it because sometimes the how loud the building gets doesn't translate as well on the right. phone. You can catch it a little bit there, and it was pretty amazing. Uh, my mom actually got the entirety of the walk. You can see Cal do it. Just, it was pretty special to have my parents there too, just because of my yeah. dad instilling the love of baseball and just the, because he's got this thing where some, some people who have been watching baseball for a long time, just know as soon as the ball hits a bat that it's gone. He knew instantly. He knew. Oh, um, that's amazing. It was, yeah, I just, you know, just the emotion of everything and just kind of the relief, the Sunday times, Seattle times paper has a uh, commemorative, uh, like a poster, but it's just, you know, part of the paper. It yeah. says drought dumper. So live, live lions. One of our photographers brought one of those down. So I got to get that framed and we'll keep that. But uh, yeah, I mean, so we're going to get as much as my money can prevail. And if, you know, anybody with, uh, with that knows me, wants me to get one for them, just Venmo me or whatever, but mm -hmm. we're going to get all these goddamn playoff shirts. There's going to be merch around this building. There's going to be merch around CSS and convert. So we're, we'll deal with that. But yeah, I just, you know, one of the happier nights of my life, just the the atmosphere of that. That's what sports are about. That's what you live for. You know, we yeah. talked about this before. I've made fun of Nick Lakata, a former Seattle Council member who said sports have no cultural value. You drop someone inside of that ballpark on Friday and tell me that. Definitely. And I mean, for some people, they might think that this is it, right? We're going to the playoffs. That's it. But what are we still playing for? So yes. Okay. Good thing. Getting me on track. I'd sit there and get too <laughs> sentimental. So we'll look at the remaining, uh, Oakland series here. So, uh, well, first of all, after you've clinched, now you're still in the race for the first overall wildcard spot. There's still things that need to be done there, uh, in terms of if Seattle wants to be able to host, um, wild cards games this upcoming weekend, the seventh through possibly the ninth. Uh, so, all of the wild card spots are filled up, whether it's um, uh, the three teams are obviously Seattle, Toronto, and then Tampa Bay. All of those teams have secured a wild card spot. So the first overall wild card team will host at minimum two games, possibly three, depending on how the series goes, best of three. But uh, the second overall wild card goes to play the first wild card team, and the last wild card team goes to play Cleveland in Cleveland. Uh, so, if the Mariners want that first overall wild card, they need to. This is uh, from last night. Toronto needs to go one and two, and Seattle four and zero, or Seattle, uh, Toronto needs to go zero and three, and Seattle three and one or four and zero. If Seattle goes three and one, the worst possible seating that they will have is the second overall wild card. So. You need to do really good here against the Detroit Tigers, the sixth worst team by record in Major League Baseball. Uh, just to look at 
the remaining schedule for those three wildcard teams. Obviously, Detroit's going to come here for four games, uh, two of them being played tomorrow on Tuesday. Toronto goes to Baltimore for three, which Baltimore just eliminated, but they've got a really good ball club, and it would be nice for them to play some spoiler. And Tampa Bay goes to Boston. Now, Boston just got humiliated by Toronto. So I'm sure Boston doesn't want to continue that trend. So, But just so you know, basically, we need... Toronto can't win more than one game over the next three, and Seattle needs to probably win out if they want to host games at T-Mobile Park. So there is that. But we'll recap you on the rest of the Oakland series. October 1st, following that magical night versus the Athletics, a 5-1 to one win as pitcher Luis Castillo is our player of the game. Six innings pitched, only two, run, two hits allowed, one earned run, and eight strikeouts on the day. And then October 2nd, really an ugly showing uh, against the Athletics on Sunday, a 10 to 3 loss. Excuse me. Player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker, one hit, one run, three RBIs, and a walk. Winker, three run homer in the bottom of the ninth, gives Seattle its only runs. And I would really like for Winker to be able to turn things on um, as the rest of the season and postseason continues on. But um, overall, I mean, this is all you need to care about. That's mm-hmm. great. But as Bell mentioned, you know, that's it's a relief to get in. But at its potential, at its strength, at even third, three-fourths of their strength, the Mariners are a dangerous team because of their pitching and their defense. What the main variant is, the main uh, variable, pardon me, wrong word, um, is their offense. You know, we look at these past week uh, of games, you know, we see uh, – Zero runs against in game one against the Rangers, three against the Rangers in game two, 10 in game three, two against the Athletics, five, three. You know, it's you're not getting enough from your offense. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez is out. Cal Raleigh is still playing. That's the thing is Cal Raleigh's playing through an injury and he hit that mm-hmm. walk off. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch Hanniger had a really down September. So you need guys to be able to find that switch and turn things on. Having Julio back, I'm sure will help. I can only imagine what Julio will do in his first postseason. But your offensive consistency is something we've preached since May. We've talked about this since May. So that's still an issue. And that's whether that's a coaching thing, whether that's players not being able to be coached, um, the marine layer, the shift, all of that sort of thing. It's if you want to be able to play, because I'll tell you this, I talked to, I think, I don't know if I talked to you about it or someone else, but we look at the American league playoff pool. The only team that I'm really for sure worried about, the only team I'm really quivering in my boots about is Houston because you played mm-hmm. Houston horribly this year. Um, the Yankees, you beat the Yankees in the two series. You played them this year, uh, Tampa Bay, you played them early on in the season and you played them poorly, but that's early on in the season before you started to click, uh, Toronto, you beat Toronto here, Ta- uh, Cleveland, you played pretty well. Let's see. Am I missing anybody else? Nope. New, yeah. You know, New York, Houston, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Toronto. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to players of the game here. I went with Mitch Hanniger, who famously last offseason said, let's end this expletive drought. And so he's done that. I know he mentioned he had a bad September, but the past week was pretty solid. 18 plate appearances, six hits, three runs, one double, two homers, five RBIs, 13 total bases, uh, two free trips to first base with two walks, three, uh, 333 batting average, a 381 on base percentage, a 722 slugging, and a 1.103 uh, OPS. 
as I mentioned, with Haniger slow September till the end there in these past seven days, you're going to need him because we know mm-hmm. what kind of offense he can bring. Uh, so I just I need you to be able to find some consistency, find some rhythm, um, because a lot of the time Mitch has talked about how he loves being here, how he wants to end that drought, and they've done that now. So it's like, all right, let's keep it rolling. Right. You went with Mr. Mr. Gilbert and his goatee. I do not blame <laughs> you, but let's talk about the decision um, after an incredible outing on that uh, September 30th start. Right. And it really was just his composure in that game because it was such a huge game. They were trying to clinch a playoff berth. And I remember thinking in that game that I was actually hoping that Baltimore won because I definitely wanted um, just the, the, the clinching of the playoff berth to be in the Mariners' hands. But Gilbert did a great job. I don't think I've seen many times that I've been in the press box um, pitchers be in for eight innings so he pitched eight innings had three hits allowed one earned run two walks four strikeouts and just a quality start he gave up one scoring run early but after that just completely shut them out and yeah I think he did great and like I said in such a big game that would clinch a playoff berth so that's why I went with what I'm calling him goatee Gilbert (laughs) I think it works. I think it works. I don't know how long he'll keep it, but it <laughs> works for now. Yeah, I think it works for now. Kind of starting to look. He's doing his best Randy Johnson impression, and I'm not going to be mad at that. So um, I, I, I respect that choice. That's a really solid choice. So we'll look over to some injury related news. Um, oh boy, cracking stuff's happening on my email. Need that to stop until we get to that section. Uh, on the 27th, the team reinstated Eugenio Suarez from the 10 day injured list as a corresponding move outfielder. Taylor Trammell was optioned to triple A Tacoma. On the 29th, it was said that Julio Rodriguez should be ready at the end of his 10 day IL stint, which is today. He's been taking swings and doing other exercises. Yesterday, Scott Service said that they hope to and plan to have him in the lineup today. So, Hoping things all go well there uh, for Julio to return because uh, obviously we're going to need him as the rest of the season goes on. Some team-related news here as we look towards the minor leagues um, of the franchise. The organization on, announced on the 29th their end-of-the-year minor league awards. So there's quite a bit of a list here, so we'll do what we can. Uh, the Ken Griffey Jr. minor league hitter of the year is infielder Robert Perez Jr. The Jamie Moyer minor league, Jamie Moyer minor league pitcher of the year is right-handed pitcher Taylor Dollard. The Alvin Davis Mr. Mariner Award goes to catcher Harry Ford, who is pictured on your screen here. Ford, who is just 19, the 12th overall pick in uh, last year's draft, not this current year, received the Alvin Davis Mr. Mariner Award for his exemplary play and leadership skills both on and off the field this season. I'll say really quickly, you're going to want to remember the name Harry Ford, not the actor, but Harry Ford, when they drafted him, his listed position positions, just take this in catcher okay and center field that's very different he's got a really great skill set a lot a lot of talent a lot of power but also a lot of speed so keep keep your at for harry ford please uh we'll get back to it the edgar martinez dominate the zone hitter award goes to outfielder jack larson and outfielder Cade marlowe larson a 27 year old received the martinez dominate the hitter award uh Dominate the Zone Hitter Award for the second consecutive season after being recognized as one of the best hitters in the organization that embodied the control the zone philosophy, instilling a team approach at the plate instead of an individual approach. Uh, the Dominate the Zone Pitcher Award goes to right-handed pitcher uh, Isaiah Campbell. 
The Dan Wilson Minor League Community Service Award goes to infielder Trent Tinglestad. Tinglestad, a 24-year-old, was honored for his individual effort in the Everett community over the course of the past season. He teamed up with the Boys and Girls Club of Snohomish County with their badges for baseball clinic this past summer. The camp created safe opportunities for youth in need to develop valuable life skills, build character, uh, and learn how to make choices for their future. The Dave Henderson Award uh, for Minor League Staff Member of the Year goes to AA Manager uh, Colin Cowgill. So, mouthful there, but uh, I would not be surprised to see some of the guys like Marlowe, um, Perez, and Harry Ford all up with the big league club at some point down the line. Uh, on the 30th, some roster moves were made. Catcher Brian O'Keefe was selected from AAA Tacoma as Kurt Casale was placed on the paternity list, so congratulations to Kurt. Um, and right-handed pitcher Phillips Valdez was designated for assignment. On the 2nd of the month of October, the Mariners promoted Justin Hollander to their executive vice president and general manager of baseball operations. Hollander becomes the 10th general manager in Mariners history. The executive vice president and general manager of baseball operations, Hollander will now be responsible for all aspects of the Mariners baseball organization, I mean operation, while continuing to report to president of baseball operations, Jerry DePoto. And a quote from DePoto says, Justin has been an integral part of our baseball ops leadership group and a wonderful partner to me throughout our time together. His passion, intelligence, people skills, and creativity show up every day. Moving forward, the Mariners are simply a better organization with Justin in his role. Hollander is now completing his sixth full year with the Mariners this season. Uh, his third since being promoted to vice president and essential, uh, assistant general manager of baseball operations back on January 30th of 2020. Hollander was actually instrumental in the extension of Luis Castillo. Um, and it's really interesting to see this because once DePoto moved from general manager to president of baseball operations, you kind of wondered who that would be. And just in hearing from Scott Service and Jerry DePoto, it seemed like Hollander was going to be the guy for a long time, a pretty easy option there. So not mad at any of that. Um, all, all of it's relatively just like you're just kind of jubilant because of the, the game on the 30th you kind of get the boogeyman out of the way you can stop hearing from your fan your friends who are you know fake fans oh they're doing this again this year you know all the people all the fans who couldn't make it through this drought you know all the the mariners it's a year to the day where kyle seager played his last game as a mariner mm -hmm. a few days ago i think it was a week ago actually felix hernandez pitched his last game so guys like that all the Mariners who couldn't help end the drought, you know, just really awesome to see that. And I hope that in some capacity, Felix or Kyle Seeger get to be a part of that. It would have been nice if we had those home games for sure. So they could come out and do first pitches mm -hmm. or something, but pretty special. Uh, so wrapping that up, the Mariners, Ooh, we're going to get to see this nice playoff logo on the screen here. Uh, mm -hmm. Looking ahead, the Mariners have an 87 and 71 record sitting obviously at second in the AL West. They're currently at second, uh, in the AL wild card, two and a half games behind Toronto for first place, a game and a half ahead of Tampa Bay. So their for sure schedule to end out the regular season, October 3rd versus the Tigers at 640. That is tonight. Bell Garcia and Matt Bermudez will be on hand for that. October 4th versus the Tigers. This is really odd to me because it's a doubleheader, right? Two games will be played tomorrow. The only listed time for one of them is 310, which is like the middle of the day. Usually you split doubleheaders with a morning game and a night game, right? So that confuses me. We'll figure out how that's all going to go. And then October 5th, the last game of the regular season 
uh, is a 1.10 p.m. start. So looking at the wild card, it's going to be this weekend, uh, best of three, October 7th, 8th, and possibly 9th if needed, uh, versus and or at an AL wildcard team to be determined. If the Mariners have to go to Toronto, the vaccine requirement to enter the country has been lifted. So Robbie Ray can pitch in Toronto. Um, but you're, you're hoping that you can uh, host, obviously. But for sure, playing the 7th and 8th, T-Mobile Park will be hosting watch parties if the Mariners do play on the road. So be on the eye for that. I would, I'm would i sure I'll be at that if they're on the road. But, man, just, just take a minute. Look at that logo. How nice. How sweet. <laughs> anyway you can pause it if you want to we will now look over to our storm who i mean it's still kind of slow moving it's the off season but we have a kind of final fiba world cup update on our storm players and just the world cup itself so bell why don't we yeah. take a look over at that we'll start with a storm great lauren jackson whose final game for australia could not have been scripted much better as the 41 year old scored an incredible 30 points to lead australia to the World Cup bronze with a 95-65 sorry, win over Canada. So congratulations to Lauren Jackson. Um, in other news, the United States took home its fourth straight World Cup gold, cruising past China 83-61, to 61, the largest margin of victory in a World Cup gold final. It was also the United States' 30th straight World Cup win, setting a new winning streak record in World Cup play. So congratulations to the team. But we also had other players still playing. Stephanie Talbot wrapped up a solid World Cup with an impressive performance in the game. Once again, coming close to a triple-double with 16 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. And Ezi Magbagor added 5 points for the Aussies. A pair of Storm players were members of the World Cup All-Star 5 as the top 5 players in the tournament. Of course, Brianna Stewart from the United States and Stephanie Talbot from Australia. Stewart averaged 12.8 points, 6.6 rebounds, and three assists per game, while Talbot averaged 8.5 points, 6.9 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and 1.4 steals in eight tournament games. So just great overall to see our Storm players keep them busy. They'd ha they have to, you know, keep warm in the offseason, so it's great to see them succeed and have great games. Get some hardware. Yeah. The yeah. the thing about Lauren Jackson, I mean, that's just incredible to to put out a, a performance like that in a World Cup where people didn't even they, I mean she was retired. The coming out of yeah. retirement surprise, you know, having her here in Seattle. Uh I'm sure you remember that when she came out for uh, one of the last games for Sue. I'm just stunned. I don't expect much less from Stewie, you know, and what Stewie does. Yeah. But to see Talbot and Magvagor also represent their national team is pretty cool as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see once the offseason kind of truly starts with the WNBA. That thing's – oh, it's going to be a really – critical offseason for the storm here i know i said that last year as well but now you're looking for a new direction for your franchise so depending on what happens in this free agency so we'll see how that goes um we look over here to our sounders this is where we kind of hit the bad beats kind of section uh the sounders played two games over the past week uh september 27th at home versus fc cincinnati drawing with fc cincinnati and effectively a must win you know a draw would be fine but it makes things the ever the more important going forward player of the game, Freddie Montero playing in a sort of center attacking mid position, one goal, 82% passing four total shots and a 7.8 match rating. 
Freddie scores his 76th career goal in a Sounders uniform, the most ever in the MLS era, and draws the game up so that Seattle actually has that opportunity to have a draw. Um, and then October 2nd at Sporting Kansas City, a one to nothing loss. The loss officially eliminates the Sounders from playoff contention. The first time they will not make the playoffs in their 14 year existence in the MLS. Uh, the club's 13 year run was the second longest active streak across the five major men's professional sports leagues behind only the Pittsburgh Penguins current streak of 16 seasons. Uh, just disappointed. Not, yeah, mean, not much you can say there. We've been saying this for months now, let alone weeks, right? You know, if you heard me talk about the Sounders team, they never really put things together. I know it was really interesting. Uh, a quote from Captain Nico Ladero after the loss was basically, there are hundreds of ways. I, I'll get the official quote, but he did not seem really pleased. Um, it just seemed like generally there was no sort of, there was frustration within and that makes a lot of sense um but yeah just overall it was a really disappointing way to look at things uh the way that it all played out um he said there ladero said there are many mistakes that happen at the player level the coaches level and at the club level ccl covered up many of these mistakes but what happened will hopefully help us recover from these things really really interesting um it's the first time in Sounders history that they'll be involved in a game with literally zero potential playoff implications. That's just, so, I mean, the point was made that all streaks like this will come to an end eventually, but just considering the way that things took place, just the lack of the ability to finish lack of much cohesion in the midfield at points in the time dropping games, like against Chicago that I was that, that you shouldn't have lost, you know, just really disappointed that it didn't come through. I know at the beginning of the year, even before CCL, the talk was that this one might be one of the deepest rosters in MLS mm-hmm. history. And then it's just, it played out like, uh, I forgot what, what year that was. Uh, I think it was like 2000 something. The Eagles put this roster together and it was like, is this the best? Are they going to win the Super Bowl? And then they, they fluttered out, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if you can't build the chemistry and all that, but you know, you can only put together so many pieces and have them gel together at some point, you know, just because you're the best, you've got so much talent doesn't mean you're going to work together as a team as well. So um, yeah, just really disappointing to see all this happen. But I mean, I kind of feel like we knew this was coming. I feel like this was sort of an inevitability. You would have needed to win out and you would have needed outside help and you didn't get either of those things. So just really disappointing. I mean, we'll look back at the season next week, but overall, just disappointed. I don't know. That's how I can put things. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that that streak ending and the way that this played out? Because obviously, again, we've seen this kind of taking place over the last yeah. few months. I don't think we anticipated it at the beginning. I know it, everything started off on a high. I mean, Roosnack signing and then, of course, CCL championships and... And then recently in the coming weeks, it was like every single time that we talked about Sounders, it was this game is a must win. This game is a must win. And I think we were, we would come back the week after and still be kind of disappointed because they'd either draw or lose. And so I think mentally we were preparing ourselves, but it doesn't make it any easier. Um, It's still a, like you said, streaks end, but it's still a tough pill to swallow. So hopefully they rework things and come back better. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of all you can hope for is that you're able to look at these mistakes and just build from it. You know, there's nothing now you can do about it. So, yeah, we clung on to the mathematical uh, possibility for a while there. But, mm -hmm. you know, uh, an injury related news on the 27th, Raul Ruiz Diaz was hurt while on international duty. A Salvadorian defender fell on Ruiz Diaz's ankle. Uh, Ruiz Diaz attempted to play through it, but had to ask for a substitute before the 10th minute of the match even started. So, Disappointing all around. Tough week, tough week. There is still one game to be played. Uh, the Sounders hit at a 12 win, 17 loss, four draw record. They're 11th in the Western Conference at 40 points. Their next matchup, the final game of the MLS regular season, is at home, thankfully. October 9th versus the San Jose Earthquakes with a 2 p.m. Pacific time start time. Hopefully, Seattle can end things on a more positive note. Speaking of positive notes, the Kraken be it preseason or not, are 4-0 in their mm -hmm. uh, exhibition matches so far. Bill, why don't we take a look at that past week uh, in games? Let's do it. September 26th was the first preseason game. That was a 3-0 win. Our player of the game there was Maddie Beniers with one goal, one point, a two plus minus six total shots. On the 27th, once again, they would win 3-0 against the Calgary Flames. Player of the game there is our goaltender Magnus Helberg with 15 total saves, 100% save percentage, 15 even strength saves, and one power play save. On the 29th at the Vancouver Canucks, it was another win, a much tighter win, uh, four to three in OT. Um, player of the game there is Will Borgen, two assists, two points, three plus minus, uh, five total shots on goal. And then again against the Vancouver Canucks on October 1st was a much more secure win here, 4-0. to zero. Uh, Yanni Gord is our player of the game with two goals, one assist, three points, one hit, and one block. And we have another player of the game for this one, Alex Wenberg, with one goal, two assists, three points, and two takeaways. So... What, I mean, four to zero oh in the pre, in the preseason. That's not bad. I know some people don't care for preseason, but like this is promising. I think you know we talked about with the preseason for the Seahawks. It was obviously there are some position battles that need to be talked about and a new regime of sorts uh, with mm -hmm. Russell Wilson. With this preseason, the importance is the fact that you know last year watching training camp, it was much like guys were just kind of figuring things out, how to play with each other, how to really be together and just didn't look like a team really. They were less physical in camp and it showed in games. In this preseason, they're much more physical. That was by design. Uh, and it's really interesting. You talk about you know not caring for preseason. A lot of these teams are rolling out young guys to see how they do, rookies, mm -hmm. uh, guys with roster bubble kind of players. And the Kraken have been rolling out their veterans to an extent. You see the last game you mentioned, Yanni Gordon, Alex Wenberg, uh, Maddie Beneers taking player of the game in that September 26th matchup. Magnus Helberg, who has now unfortunately been claimed off of waivers by Ottawa, um, taking play of the game there. Just kind of a mix, trying to see what guys can give them. And inevitably, just like with the NFL, you're going to have to cut that roster down. Now, unlike the NFL, the Kraken can send people down to different levels, AHL, send them back to their development leagues and all that after they've drafted them. And so that's what a bunch of them have done, and we'll get to that in a minute here. But it's, I think what's really important is that the chemistry is really being built on, on the power play, on the new penalty kill, uh, adding the different guys like Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand and getting them really well integrated, seeing Matty Beneers continue to play well, continue to impress getting some solid minutes out of Shane Wright 
it's been really interesting to see all of these different guys get their respective minutes, sort of show up in their own way, but all building towards a more complete Kraken team, looking better as a unit, looking better on the specialty teams units, um, and just showing a little bit more potential than what we saw throughout the entirety of last season. There were sparks last season. We look at some of the games. Seattle beat some really good teams last year. Was mm-hmm. with Florida, uh, North Carolina, uh, Colorado near the end of the year. You know, and there were flashes of that. But we're seeing the power play has generated some chances. I know that was a big issue last year. Was the power play? They haven't actually cashed in on the power play yet this preseason. But they're they're showing better promise than they did last year. I know. I'll hold some judgment there. Well, we want to see still. <laughs> some improvement there the penalty kill has been perfect seattle was relatively poor on the penalty kill last year the goalkeeping has looked i mean outside of the overtime game against vancouver you see that they i mean three shutouts so the goalkeeping has been really solid whether that's a goalkeeper coach steve Bier, uh or something else or just philip grubauer locking back in helberg having good games martin jones playing really well uh, as the signing while chris drieger returns from injury I think it's all positive. I really think it's all positive. Obviously, I don't expect this to fully carry over into the regular season. I don't expect them to come out night one and just start this hot streak. But I, again, like I said in the offseason, with the additions of Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand, adding other guys like Kempney, uh, Schultz, I fully expect you to win more games this year and potentially push for a playoff spot as opposed to sitting in the basement of the Pacific Division. I think overall to take all of my words and compress them and compact them. I think these are good signs um, through four games. I know you got two left, but it's, I think these are solid, solid signs um, for your 2022 regular season. Yeah, definitely brings excitement to what the season could look like. Um, let's move over to some team news here on the 27th forward. Jacob Melanson was a suspended. He was banned two games for an illegal hit to the head of Oilers forward, James Hamblin. On the 28th, the team sends following players back to their junior clubs. Those consist of Jaeger Furkus, David Goyet, Kyle Jackson, Ty Nelson, Jacob Melanson, and Tucker Robertson. So any of those that um, surprised you there on that list? No, not really. Uh, Furkus and Nelson will be with the Kraken at some point in their careers, I'm sure within the next year or two. Uh, Fergus is really exciting. Hoping to speak with him at some point on an interview. Nelson's been a lot of fun to be around. You know, their their personalities are great, but also their talents is definitely there. Fergus was a second round pick. I fully expect him to be a contributor. I'd say next year, next year, or yeah. the year after that. Uh, Nelson, but all of these guys definitely needed work. You know, they're still with their junior clubs. Um, they still got some things to work on. Keep an eye on them for sure. But it was good to get them around the team, help them be yeah. involved, see what it's like. But I, I, Fergus and Nelson, I fully expect to see them uh, down the line um, with the Kraken. Okay. We move on to some news from September 30th here. Chris Drieger launches Drieger's Keepers. Seattle goaltender Chris Drieger created the program because Chris saw firsthand how much money his parents spent on hockey equipment. Um, he noticed that young players and their parents were shying away from trying out the goalie positions due to the cost of the gear that kids often grew out of quickly. So when Chris, let me backtrack here. In fact, when Chris was a youth hockey player, he benefited from a similar program at his local ice rink and wanted to provide the same opportunity to youth here in Seattle. So amazing. Um, that sounds 
like it'll help hopefully a community of children that would like to, you know, give it a shot. And the following players have been re sorry, I, before I move on here, anything that you'd like to say about the Driegers keepers? Chris Drieger is just a solid dude. I mean, just to see this sort of thing is really exciting. Knowing that, you know, in a community that's really not, a hockey town. I mean, not, uh, let me backtrack. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> it's not something where you, you know, kids around here grow up playing football, playing soccer, playing baseball, playing basketball. They don't grow up playing hockey, right? That's what I mean by that is that yeah. that's not something that's happening yet. And it's starting. It's, you know, in the recent years. Yes. I apologize for saying that at the top of the, the top of the, my ramble there. That's not what I meant, but this is this is good to see. I know. I mean, keeper equipment is expensive. It's really expensive, and let alone normal hockey equipment. So to see that he's doing this is awesome. You know, I'm sure it's tough for him to not be with the team right now due to his injury. Right. Uh, but to see him involved still is is really cool. To see him doing things like this with his time is is awesome to see in the community. So really great to see that. Um, yeah, Chris is just a solid dude. He's just yeah. Solid. So. Like you said, it's great that he's helping the community and it's something that he experienced himself. And so he's aiming to fix that. So it's, it's like you said, awesome to see. Um, we'll move on to some more news from September 30th here. The following players have been reassigned to Coachella Valley's training camp. David Cotton, Callum Booth, Tristan Mullen, and Eddie Wichow. Um, on October 1st, more exciting news here. The team unveils the official mascot, Bowie the Sea Troll. A six-foot-tall blue sea troll living in the caverns of Climate Pledge Arena and inspired by the Fremont Troll. Um, Bowie's favorite meal is shark with maple leaf seasoning. <laughs> Bowie loves music. Legend has it Bowie once jammed with mud honey at the crocodile. Folks are drawn to Bowie's many talents, high energy, and fun-loving spirit. Odds are you'll see Bowie out and about, especially near the Fremont Troll, Bowie's uncle. Um, Bowie's a great admirer of the Kraken and pays tribute to the deep sea creature with unique touch of magic in his lovely hockey hair flow. <laughs> um, I, I was a little bit surprised, but not so much. I had actually seen a teaser on Twitter of um, this is the Kraken's new mascot and it was our free Montreal. So I had a little bit of a, I felt a sneak peek there, but any thoughts on the mascot or what you might or might not change? Uh, the point was made, and I think it's a really good one that at the end of the day, the mascot and the point of the mascot is essentially for the kids. It's for a family aspect. I mean, it's for, you know, uh, events and to get the kids involved in something they might not, uh, typically get involved in, you know, I don't know how many four-year-olds are going to just jump into hockey on their own, on their own volition. <laughs> right. So on that aspect, it makes sense. But when I first saw it, I was like, what are we doing? What is yeah. <laughs> You know, because I had heard some some of my friends had come up with ideas like, oh, it's the weedle on the needle. It's uh, a deep sea diver. It's an actual kraken. The other point was made, how many times uh, is the mascot actually related to what the name of the team is? I was like, eh, there are a good amount of examples, but also <laughs> not. So I'm, I'm mixed on it, I'll admit, you know, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's mostly for the kids. So there is that. You know, so I, I, maybe over time I'll grow, it'll, it'll grow on me, but I, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment on Bowie for the time being. But I mean, yeah. I, I guess the word I will use is intrigued. Yeah, sure. 
um, I definitely am a fan of the blue hair, so that's where I'm staying. <laughs> On October 2nd, the following players have been reassigned to Coachella Valley's training camp. Luke Henman, Ty Cartai, Bill Petman, Petro Sapala, Matt Tennyson, Jimmy Schultz. And the following players have been placed on waivers for the purpose assignment to Coachella's camp. Jesper Froden, Cameron Hughes, Colin, Max McCormick, Gustav Olofsson, Austin Paganski, Andrew Potrowalski, Brogan Rafferty, Carson Pornsky, Magnus Helberg. So wow, you got through that pretty well. <laughs> I tried to just do my best here. So like we've said before, hockey names are tough and this definitely proved it. <laughs> and so um, with, I want to stop you before we go, because yeah, this yeah. is, this happened while we were going over the Mariners. So as I mentioned, Helberg was the only one that was claimed off of waivers. He was claimed off of waivers by Ottawa as uh, Cam Talbot that was signed by Ottawa in the off season is out seven weeks with an upper body injury. So I'm sure Helberg is going to take, a part in that goalie tandem in Ottawa. Uh, but everybody else on that list clears waivers and will now head to Coachella Valley. Cole Lind, someone I've been actually interviewed, uh, was expected to be claimed off of rosters. He's got some good talent, but he gets to go to Coachella Valley and we get to keep him in the organization. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, and then one more thing before we get to league news uh, that also broke, the Kraken have officially signed Daniel Sprong from a professional tryout to a one-year two-way contract. So Spronger, the Flying Dutchman, will stay in Seattle for this next year. His heavy shot will remain in Seattle, and he will continue to battle in a crowded forward group. So that was one of the ones I was really interested to see. Um, but, you know, with the ability to send guys like Lind down to Coachella Valley, Spronger gets to stay. So those are two things that we're breaking while we're in the middle of the show. So I will awesome. let you continue. Yeah, perfect. We'll move on to the league news. On the 27th, the NHL set to increase its salary cap. The league will reportedly see a significant rise in the salary cap over the next three seasons. In 2022, we'll see an increase of 82.5 million, 23, 20 through 23, 83.5 million, and a 4 million increase expected in 24, 25, and 25, 26. So we shift back to the record for our Kraken here, as we've mentioned. They are undefeated 4-0 in the preseason. Looking ahead, they have a matchup against the Calgary Flames at 6 p.m. on October 3rd. On October 7th at the Edmonton Oilers, again, a 6 p.m. start. And now we move over to, again, some much better news. I mean, I don't, the Kraken is undefeated, so I don't know if I'd say better news, but continuing on with good news. <laughs> Yes. So again, in case it was not obvious, the Reign have taken their third NWSL Shield in uh, club history. If you don't know what the NWSL Shield is, it's basically when you come out on top of the entirety of the league at the end of the regular season. Best in the league by points, by record. No other team won 11 games, I believe, was the one of the stats that I read. Um, in the league this year, it's the third time the Reign have done so. The last times they did it were 2014 2015. Um, so it's been, been a little bit. Uh, and the Reign finished second in the league last year. So they sniffed it last year, but they finally got to take it this year. So we'll get to uh, that game itself, the way that they were able to, part of the way they were able to clinch the, the shield. October 1st versus the Orlando Pride it was a three to nothing victory. All three goals coming in the first half. Um, in front of a raking, uh, standalone crowd uh, that broke a rain record for, I believe it was the fourth time this year that the rain have broke their own record uh, with 10,746. 
uh, our player of the game forward, Jordan Haitama. Haitama, one goal, one assist, two chances created, and 8.8 match rating uh, with her boo, Julia Rodriguez, in the stands um, after their day game. The Mariners played their day game right across the street. And in case you aren't aware, I don't Can know. Can I interrupt I'm... you? Huh? Are you confirming? Is that? Oh, yeah. Um... Oh, yeah. Okay. We're doing okay. this now. I made assumptions, um, but I, I'm so ecstatic to see, hear I'm... <laughs> only confirming because Julio himself was at the game and he posted a story. He was like, he number recorded, I think it was seven. after her goal. He was like, uh, number nine, so fire, heart emoji, yeah. uh, flame emoji. And he tagged her directly. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's about as much of a confirmation as well. Also considering that Haitama was at the game on the 30th for the Mariners and was on the field celebrating with him. I, I think I think is a, they're I officially it. unofficially official at this point. So. I love it so much. I cannot think of a better pair. They're both superstars in what they do. So, I'm, two twenty-one-year-old superstars in this city that I hope are in the city for a long time. And uh, like, I mean, we've already got the sports couple of Sue Bird and Megan Rapino in this. Yes. City. So another, you know, hopefully long time talent. Hope everything goes well. But again, I, I bring up my age. I'm 21. Those two are 21. <laughs> Where did I go wrong athletically? Tell me. Truly. Sad. Yeah, uh, I get yeah. to cover them instead. But yeah, so that's there's that. If I'm the first you're hearing about that, I'm sorry. I Maybe you're behind. Um, but yes, that is officially official. The Reign clinched their third shield in franchise history uh, in a big win. They dominated that game. They got the first three goals out of the way in the first half, and they're like, wow. So they really wanted to just get everything out of the way and take care of business. So the way that this was able to happen though, is that, you know, the last few weeks, the rain have been in the play for this. Portland was at the top coming into Saturday. All Portland had to do was win against Gotham. Gotham was the worst team in the league stats wise. Um, and a, a loss by Portland or a draw would give the rain the opportunity to win and secure the shield. And, <sighs> So Gotham scores the first goal in that match. A former Rain player actually scored it. But they go into the half down one to three to Portland. You're thinking, oh, shoot. Okay. The shield, the physical shield itself traveled to New York, New Jersey, where the game was playing so that Portland could celebrate with it had they won. Um, Gotham would come back and score three total goals to equalize at 3-3, draw the game at 3-3, meaning that all the Rain had to do was win. Gotham's three goals in that match were the like a third of their goal total goals all season, which is uh, it was. <laughs> so they did us a big favor. So if you want to thank Gotham, thank them. Also, Sue Bird is a part owner in Gotham. So mm-hmm. again, um, but pretty incredible. So the Rain took care of business. They win their shield. Uh, they get a bye week. They don't have to play now for from this day twenty days. They don't play till October twenty third. Uh, I just pretty stunned, you know, not necessarily stunned, but just amazed that they could do it. I know yeah. I've seen this talent. I've encouraged you guys to come out for this. Um, just really incredible to see that, see the veteran players like Rapino, like Fishlock, like Lou Barnes, Sophia Huerta be able to celebrate, um, an accomplishment like this. And we look at back the OGs, Barnes, Fishlock and Rapino, just to be able to still be here. still contributing Rapino's on maybe the form of her club career, Barnes and Fishlock still contributing. Fishlock winning MVP last year. 
I can't say enough about the rain. I really can't. I know that, you know, we're going to call on some of our local outlets. You know, obviously the big news for a lot of people is the Mariners. And don't get me wrong. You know how I feel about my Mariners. Mm -hmm. But this is right up there with that, you know. So to, to see that the local outlets, nothing. And if anything, it's small. It's disappointing. Do better. I've been doing yeah. this for two years now, effectively. And I've had no trouble, you know, with all of them, especially the rain. So catch up truly. Um, but yeah, really just really special to see that and to see the way that this group has grown over the years. Some of the wins they've had like two, nothing against Houston on the road, going three and zero on that road trip um, before this Orlando win, the three to two comeback win over angel city on the road. Um, I think they've got what it takes. I truly do. But again, all things have to come together. I thought that to an extent last year when they hosted Washington in the semifinal round and they got stunned by Washington. So you got to be able to play your game. Uh, from now until then, the rain will be able to have their players go on a short international break, come back, rest a little bit, and then play that game. So it's a solid situation and hoping it all goes well. Um, and we'll get to potential matches for that and all that. Injury news against the Pride, luckily. Well, not luckily, but... It was the same injury report we've seen for a little bit here. The only out players uh, were the ones with season-ending injuries and Angelina, Tobin Heath, Sinclair Miramontes, uh, Jody L. Kekel, uh, all with their season-ending injuries. So that's no, it was a, basically a full group for the rain, as full as it could be, considering those injuries. Um, the pre-match... Uh, honored Quinn and Sofia Huerta for hitting their respective regular season uh, appearance records, but also the person that hit 100 regular season appearances in this game was Megan Rapino. On the first, Rapino reached 100 career NWSL regular season appearances. In those 100 matches now, uh, Rapino has scored 47 goals, notched 22 assists in that time frame. So congratulations to Megan there. Again, on the former for life, just incredible. Uh, I think in about uh, her first four matches this year, no goals, no assists. In the last uh, nine matches, she scored or assisted or both in eight of them. So she's been a really consistent figure, been really prominent in... I, I'm really sure she's motivated to get this title. So with that being said, we will look ahead to potentials. Again, this doesn't happen until the 23rd. Uh, the Reigns did an 11 win, four loss, seven draw record. They are first in the NWSL at 40 points, first in the table, a bye until October 23rd. So playoffs at Lumen Field, October 23rd versus either the Houston Dash or Kansas City Current. The winner of that match, which takes place on October 16th, will come here to Seattle to play the Reign at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. If the rain win that game, they will head to Washington DC at Audi Field um, to play the NWS for the NWSL title. Uh, something that they have never won. Even when they won the NWSL Shield in 2014-2015, they lost both times to FC Kansas City. So, hoping to be able to look back at it there. But um, at this point going to be able to wait a little bit for our rain news and i'm sure we'll keep up on our internationals but now we look over to our seattle stars of the week to wrap up the show and i think bell's choice makes a lot of sense we look over at the big dumper himself cal raleigh in this nice photo of him <laughs> staring down his walk-off bell why don't you tell me about it tell me about uh the selection of cal here it obviously makes sense but i want to know your insight yeah uh, you know 
after hearing what you just said too, I could have done better. I didn't want to choose groups again. I know you went ahead and did that. And I just, I felt like I wanted to give it to one person. And now I'm kind of regretting that because I definitely could have gone your way as well. And that would have made all the sense in the world. But I went with Cal Raleigh, um, our thicky mantle, <laughs> because, well, yeah, just coming into the game, he's been playing injured, he has a hurt finger, and just being able to hit that walk-off homer for us was a big deal, and in that moment, it was it was just huge, and I'm so proud of him for being able to do that and um, not having to make us wait one more game to clinch that playoff race, so... <laughs> That yeah, nice to get that logic. out of the way. Uh, we've talked about it throughout the year. To have his development, to have him grow as he has, has been incredible. Has been really huge to the success of this ball club. I believe his 26 home run, the the walk off, actually is the most in franchise history in a season by a catcher, passing Mike Zanino. Um, he's still growing, and uh, I think he can win the Silver Slugger Award a catcher. That'll be we'll see, but. Cal's been great. And to just know that he's going to just continue to get better. Can't ask so much more. As you can see here with the odd display of caps that I've got on. Uh, and as Bell mentioned, I went with both. I can't pick. I mean, to see the, the 21 year old drought end, and to see the rain win their first shield, you know, in their first year in Lumen field coming off of a year where they were disappointed in the result and the semifinal loss to Washington, all of the stuff that went over, took place over the course of the year. I had to go with both. You know, I love yeah. them both very much. Again, this looks to, I know it looks <laughs> I'm gonna deal with it. Um, but just to have them both accomplish that and to be the ones on top in this city, you know, the Seahawks are currently playing their way through. I doubt they make the playoffs. Mariners are in the playoffs. The Sounders missed the playoffs. The Storm went to the playoffs. Um, Kraken hoping to make the playoffs. Seawolves went to the championship. Things over the past year have not been bad for us. Mm -hmm. So just really grateful to be able to cover both of those teams and the runs that they're on. And hopefully they keep going for quite a while here and maybe I can keep wearing my hats like this. So uh, all in all, some really special moments over the past week. I'm, you know, I know that I expressed some salt over it, but to have bell be able to experience that celebration was really cool. You know, and I, I said this before, not only to her, but our buddy Kate, at Lookout Landing, I'm really proud of the movements, movements, growth and strides that Bell has taken, not only as, you know, writing in the press box, enjoying the ice cream uh, up there, but oh, also just what she's been able to do as our co-host here. Um, it's a special moment. But next year when they do it, I'll be there. So you can. Yes, you can we'll trade that. off for sure. <laughs> um, we'll see about that. When they win the World Series this year, I'll take it. Sorry. Okay. Um, but no, I, you know, really. So to be able to do this all has been great. Had a great weekend. So with that being said, we will wrap things up. Uh, I'd already kind of went over everything for the past week, so I'm not going to do it again. Until we see, uh, like Curtis said, and the, the big thank you to Curtis behind the yeah. all the wires and the screens back there and helping us get this set up. Um, can't believe we're in October. It feels really weird, you know, so... We're getting into the spooky month. We'll see you next week on Monday, the 10th of October. We'll know about the extent of the Mariners' continued postseason run. Mm -hmm. Have some more playoff merch, I'm sure. But until we see you next week, uh, do whatever you can to make today a great day.
Heritage Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.